Hey, it's me, Ryan Lichten, your host today. Today's a special episode. We're not going to be covering a topic. We're going to be talking about a lot of different stuff with a guest today. Today we have David Yontef. He's the host of Behind the Velvet Rope podcast. It's pretty much the quintessential guide to all things reality television um, and, you know, a mainstream pop culture. He knows, you know, so much about the history of all this stuff, where it's all at now. He's talked to just about anyone you would want to if you wanted to know anything about say real housewives or uh drag race or fucking just again like the history of this great mecca of trash television that america has produced so we're gonna talk to him today and a lot of good stuff here so i hope you enjoy it this is our interview with david from behind the velvet rope podcast so thanks for coming on culture dumps well thank you for having me first of all it's an honor to be here (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, on the on the show with a toilet as their logo, you know, it's it's what everyone you, aspires to. You gotta love that, right? <laughs> so again, you know, I, I can't stress enough just the bulk of the guests that you've had. It really lends, uh, you know, kind of credence to the fact that like I really do see you as this historian of reality TV and kind of someone with their pulse on their television set. So, I love it. Well, where does reality TV come from, in your opinion? Like, what, what are the, the humble roots and, you know, where is it now? Because to me, it kind of starts with, like, Cops, America's Funny, some videos, and then grew into Anna Nicole, and now we have everything else. So, like, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, well, so that's a good point. I mean, uh, what year was Cops? Because to me, it really is the real world New York. I mean... Shockingly, I have a guest on today, Eric Knees from The Real World New York. So I build this as like, this was it. I mean, you know, could cops have been before that? Maybe, but I don't think so. Yeah, it, cops it, is it, like, it you know, mid 80s, but it, okay. it's, you know, obviously different format. You know, real world, yeah, you're totally right. That That is kind of how we know it. The throwing everyone in a house kind of kind of deal. Now, was, was real world New York, was that the very first one that they ever did? That was the first one that they ever did in 92. So... They really had nothing to compare it to. Like the people didn't know what they were doing. You know, and I say this just because I literally just talked to Andre and Eric because they just did like real world homecoming. They brought it back to MTV. But I don't know what you would have compared it to at that point. To me, that is the true beginning. The first show, the first scene, there was nothing to compare it to. And if you even talk to like Eric and Andre, they'll say like, you know, because I asked the questions, like I'm going to break that fourth wall. I'm like, did producers, like this was great, but like, did people really know what they were doing? Like did Bunna right. Murray have a plan? Did MTV have a plan? Did the producers have a plan? And like, yeah, a general plan, but not really. Like if you watch the real world, there were no confessionals. They literally were like yeah, in yeah. and they just looked at the camera while everyone was around. So that to me is truly the beginning. That's that's what I cite as the first reality TV is the real world season one, New York City. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I have to agree with you. And it's interesting about the confessionals, too, because I feel like once that started coming in, that's really where you start seeing the tampering of the situation from the producers, where it's like, get us to spill some dirt. You're in a room by yourself, even though this is going to be on TV. So you can kind of start seeing the format like become its own through that shift a little bit. Yeah. So that to me is the beginning. And, you know, like there were movies at the time, like that was like Madonna's Truth or Dare was right around there, like a little bit after. But for TV, to me, it's the real world. And so, you know, no one from the real world, I mean, every cast of of that show, there's always going to be one that sticks out. Like in my head, I'm thinking of like Puck, whatever season he was on, you know, or like Tech from Hawaii or whatever. You know, there's different people that stand out, but there's not really like icons. Like where does like the famous for being famous thing kind of start, like in your opinion? Right. And like Eric, to me, from the real world, the first one stands out because he's the only one that really got a job after. Like he was on the grind with like downtown Julie Brown. Now, mind you, and this is all covered on today's show. This is not like a shameless plug. It just happened to be today. You know, mind oh, you. No, then, you're here to shamelessly plug. We, well, we want that. that's yeah. what I love. <laughs> I mean, he had his own issues with fame and like, so, you know, so he also like stepped away. But right. Like the, to me, like the famous for being famous I mean, my mind goes to the simple life with Paris and Nicole. Now, I don't know, like, if there was something before that, but to me, that, like, changed the game in the sense that it was, like, scripted. And it's kind of around the time of The Hills, too, like, right before that. So, like, The Hills and Spidey and, like, 
The Simple Life, that's where my mind goes to for like famous for being famous. Yeah, I mean, and Paris Hilton, she's, I mean, she claims to have invented the selfie, you know what I mean? So she really kind of has the uh, monopoly on on being famous for just being, you know. Kind of. uh, Still still to this day, you know, but I, I feel like, you know, Whenever I watch documentaries about this stuff, they always reference like, you know, E Channel and, and, you know, a lot of the stuff going on there, most notably the Anna Nicole show, which we're going to be doing a whole like five parter on 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 our show (laughs) once we're ready to uh, tackle that. But then you also have, you know, like the Osbournes, right, where it's like Ozzy Osbourne and Sharon, obviously huge, huge people. But then the kids became stars, you know, out out of nowhere. And that kind of starts this iconography of just like you're on reality TV, so you're famous, you know. It's were, the, were you an Anna Nicole fan at all? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Like, I've been dabbling in Bobby Trendy lately and trying to circle around <laughs> him to get, you know, I have these ideas for guests, and I'm like, so I'm circling around Bobby Trendy these days. We'll see if it really happens. But, right, like, E, and, like, they started with, like, E, True Hollywood Story, and so all of yeah. that. Yeah. So the Anna Nicole show was great. Yeah, and, you know, the, the guy that produced that, Marcus Fox, he he really kind of, like, takes a lot of credit where it's like we were the first people just to like turn on the camera and follow someone around that was famous you know and now i feel like that formula is so perfectly like narrowed down and crafted like the kardashians for instance is what i think is like hey you know that's another e-product but i feel like that they took that mold the osbournes and nicole and at its highest form it's the kardashians yeah <laughs> it's at its highest form i mean i would still watch it if it wasn't going off the air i'd be in for another 15 years but yes, the budgets are huge and it's, you know, there are, it's like the Osbournes and the other stuff where there's situational setups, but it's at its highest form. Yes. I mean, it's now, done do, do well. You have a favorite, like, do you have a favorite Kardashian just out, out, of the, out of the bunch? My favorite Kardashian is Lord Disick. I think Scott Disick uh, is everything. <laughs> and Chloe Money would be a very close second. That's where I go. Me- you know, I completely fucking agree with you, and Disick gets shit on a lot. He's amazing. And, you know, whether it's deserved or not, whatever. That's not why I'm watching the show. You know, it's also funny, like how people's personal lives on reality TV can like, like people are like, oh man, I didn't know they were so shitty. But meanwhile, they're on a show that's filming their life. So the fact that like they have almost two real lives that they're living, <laughs> like, but one is kind of fake, but it's presented as real. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's work. I mean, like you're going to work. Like I spoke to someone from Vanderpump Rules yesterday. It's not out yet. It's coming up. I hate revealing guests before they come up. And, you know, this person that's was awful. like, you know, like it's going to work. But right. Like you're not really seeing Scott's, Emil, you know, relationship with Amelia Gray on the Kardashians. But you know it's there. So it's it is reality TV has become just something different. I kind of related to like pro wrestling where, you know, like in like the early 90s, they had to like legally change like the fact that they're not actual sports. So they call it sports entertainment, entertainment being the key word with reality TV. The key word is TV. Yeah. And it's weird. It's like that because, you know, we all watch. I mean, especially with something like the Kardashians, like they're in the news every day. And Bravo stuff, too. But, like, the stuff that you're watching on the Kardashians, like, you know. You, you know what happened. It's it's a, it's a year ago. It's being shown a year later. And yet right. you just watch. You don't act like you know that Kim and Kanye are getting divorced now. Like, you just don't care. Like, you just yeah. <laughs> can't get enough. So it's really, it's, it's interesting. Because, like, we know what happened. Like, why are we watching this unravel when we know? It's just, well, we can't turn away. Well, and th- that brings me to like celebrity news because sometimes I feel like, yeah, like, you know, when I I just watched all of the Kardashians last year and like, a ch- I mean, that was that's a chore like to, to bang all that out. But in it's one such year. a it's- good thing to watch. Well, first of all, it was COVID. So you chose a good year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I could have never done that if I had to like do stuff. You know what I mean? Like a hundred percent. But I feel like TMZ acts as like the previews for the, the reality shows. It's like you get to see what ha- what happened and then you're like, oh, I can't wait to see that episode. So real life is almost the teaser for the fake stuff you're going to see on TV. Totally. And same with like Instagram. Like I say that all the time. Like, you know, well, at least like with the housewives and stuff like it. It's at least 50% on Instagram. Like you're watching the show, but then there's these feuds that are not on the TV. People are reporting on things that are not on TV. They're reporting on what happened on Twitter last week or Twitter last night. So, like, social media and everything else has now become like 50% of the storyline 
that season, even though it's never on the TV. And then it's talked about like at reunions, like breaking the fourth wall. They're like, well, you said this on Twitter and here's the proof. And I, it's weird. Like there's no talking about the show. The real fights are now on social media. Yeah, and I feel like that's kind of like spawned the rise of like the empire that is TMZ now. And I know you've had Perez Hilton on your show a few times, like, and who is kind of a pioneer of this, like, you know, like internet tabloid kind of a deal. What are like the the pros of that kind of reporting and that kind of like salacious stuff? Because we've always had that. I mean, since the golden age of Hollywood, there's always been, you know, the, the tabloids and the gossip columns and stuff. But I feel like now it's like TMZ is kind of like the first place people go to check on a big story. Like, even if it's not celebrity related, do you think that like reality TV could exist the way it is without people like Perez Hilton or TMZ or vice versa? You know, like, do, does, do one really need the other? I don't know. I mean, I think so. You know, to me, Perez is a pioneer and an icon. A lot of people hate Perez. I don't really know why. I mean, he's no more rude than anyone else. He's actually not even rude now anymore. But even back in the day, I mean, it was brilliant. It was just so ahead of its time. I think that's the whole reason why we have social media and TMZ. I don't think it's why we have reality TV, but I think a yeah. lot of things that exist now are because of Perez and people yeah, don't give Perez I, I credit. No. Yeah. And I think it's because of all the, like the, the negative reputation that he had at the, at the start of the blow up, you know, like, and, and before his glow up, uh, let's, let's say, you know, it's like he, there was a, it was a lot different. Yeah. You know, and you're, you're totally right with, with that. And I, yeah, I feel like he's totally underrated. And now we have like, you know, like Andy from Bravo, you know, and we have like, you know, the, these other kind of like um, kingpins of, the whole scene Harvey you know, that are necessarily from- on the show. Yeah, exactly. And they're, they're not on the shows, but like they're completely involved in that world. Yeah. And I mean, I think that makes Perez even more of a genius not to go back to Perez, but like to take on like major Hollywood A-listers when you weren't wealthy or successful. I mean, who the hell would do that? Like right. that takes a yeah, lot no, it, of just like I'm going to go and draw a dick on Jennifer Aniston's face every day for the next year. <laughs> I mean, most people would be journalism. considered insane, like if they did that or just blocked or just shunned away. So like, the, I mean, yes, and he was ahead of his time, but like timing is a lot of it. I mean, Perez is a genius, but I mean, I think you need all this just to feed into the machine. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of the machine, now you've had people from just about every season of Real Housewives, all the different cities, you know, some multiple times to the uninitiated. What are the biggest differences between the seasons? Like, for instance, what is the biggest difference between Orange County versus Beverly Hills or New York versus New Jersey? What what have you? Well, I mean, there's so (laughs) many loaded questions. I mean, there's so many differences. Um, You know, I feel like each Each show really does, in a way, capture the essence of that city. You know, like Beverly Hills. Well, New York now is mostly, I think it's all, it's all single women. So that's very representative of New York. And they are out and drinking and having their martinis at the Regency. And like, that's how most people live in New York. You're out having a drink at 6 p.m., standing at a bar. Right. Pre-COVID, now maybe a little bit back. But so, like, that's kind of how that show is. Even though it started more as Housewives, it's a bunch of single women. You know, Beverly Hills is really like Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Yeah, if you scratch the surface, a lot of these housewives don't really have money. But it still is about, you know, the big houses and the most over-the-top and the most glamorous. You know, then you take Dallas. It's kind of what you would expect in Dallas. Like, a bunch of, or even though, see, it's a bunch of conservative even they don't really get into politics, you know, women with blonde hair, mostly just running around right. and, you know, praying to Jesus and drinking their Jesus juice, the wine. And, you know, <laughs> it, it, so it's like each city kind of has its feel. I mean, they're all kind of representative within within, you know, within the reality reality TV world. Like, I don't think they're all really cast so well. I don't think they're right. all really so real, real. And I think there's much better representations just in like, certain casting choices they could probably do better in each city but each city really kind of stays true to what it's about like atlanta you know it's a predominantly black cast it's an all black cast well like that's atlanta there's a lot of atlanta you know so i feel like they do a pretty good job of like representing their city per se 
And what what was the newest one, uh, or, or not even the newest one, but there was Salt some Lake. hubbub about Salt Lake yeah City. about the uh, what, what was it the polygamist one or what what's going on with that? Well, it's pure brilliance. There's never been. I mean, <laughs> I think because it started from the beginning, they started with like a racially diverse cast, so they don't have to deal with that later on. Because they've had to like purposely deal with that in a lot of the shows, and of course, correct that. They just got it right. It's so, yes, there's one woman who likes, they call her the grandfather fucker. I mean, she, she's married <laughs> to her grandfather. I mean, we're skipping a lot of steps in between, but right, she's but, married yeah. to her grandfather. And, you know, now we're kind of over that. Like, that's just like, it's almost like, I don't even think that's going to be a thing next season. When it comes back, we have someone who was truly arrested for mail fraud, I think the charges were. <laughs> and like a telemarketing scheme. So we've got, Salt Lake is just one of the better ones. That sounds juicy, yeah, for for sure. You know, and we have a co-host that comes on our show every once in a while to talk about different things. And he, uh, he's a tour guide. He runs cool LA tours. And he does a real Housewives of Beverly Hills like driven tour and a Vanderpump Rules tour. And it's like, it, I mean, it's completely superseded like the other ones. It's like one of his most popular <laughs> ones that, that he offers. And like, you would not like he does not look like or, the kind of guy that would know literally every fucking location where anyone's ever had like a glass of wine thrown on him or, or whatever. But he doesn't. People really, really love that shit. And I feel like it's one of those shows where it's so intimidating because like to get into because there's so many like what what city do I pick? What season do I pick? What is your favorite? And there is a Housewives of New York tour, too. I mean, I always say just New York because that is what I know. Like, just from living in New York, like, I can relate. I mean, I also know a lot of them in real life, but I relate to the New York scene more. Beverly Hills probably a very close second just because it is escapism. And they've had some good seasons with, you know, it's great when, like, something real happens in the world. And now it's on TV. I mean, that's the thing. Like Beverly Hills, we have like a major fraud divorce, which is happening in real life where like one of the lawyers, like apparently rumor is like defraud, I mean, innocent until proven guilty, defrauded victims of a plane crash out of millions of dollars. So like, oh my God, you know, and like in New York, like someone got arrested and then like we had it going to recover. Like these are all real things. You know, a lot of the other franchises, like they literally will sit there with the housewives in between seasons and say like, what do you have going on in your life? And then the storyline will be about like a dog moving a house. So you're just like, but I get it. Like in Dallas, you know, unless you have some major thing, like this is your life. Your life is your kids and your dog. So like it really, if you think about it, it's like they just hit pay dirt with certain things like the Salt Lake now, the story. But those are the exceptions. But in New York, it's so New York that they literally will hate each other, cry, call each other, fucking go fuck yourself. Like, and then be best <laughs> friends all within one night. Cause it's like on acid. It's like New York city. It's like, it's not these long, yeah, it's like move, more yeah. happens in one episode than like the whole season on other shows. Well, you yeah. heard it here first folks that, that, that real housewives of New York is, is the go-to if you're trying to dip your feet in that. And Beverly Hills uh, close so, seconds, close seconds. Yeah. Well, see, I like Beverly. Hey, I mean, you know, I'm a, a LA guy, but also, you know, the just the appearance of of Faye Resnick every once in a while on that show just like really lends it. Like that's just so fucking like Americana right there. Like oh, like someone from the you know. And again, we could, we didn't even touch on the fact that you know the Kardashians have their whole roots in the OJ Simpson trial, but the fact that there's still people on television today, totally not even in the same family, that really made their name from a horrific double murder. You know, it's, it's kind of a weird thing. Well, one of them I've become friends with, she was a real housewife of Beverly Hills. She's been on my show, I think, like four times. I think she was on season six at Catherine Edwards. She, her husband, her first husband, not her current husband, was best friends with OJ. So I think part of the reason she got the job is she had prior issues with Faye because in Faye's book, she talked about her husband. And I uh, think I could be wrong. I mean, this is a friend of mine. So like, she could have killed yeah, me if I get this wrong. But I think that her first husband, I think had an affair with Nick, something like, it was something like, it was intertwined somehow. But yeah, somehow all roads do lead back to, well, 
Beverly Hills housewife Kyle Richards and Faye were just on the Kardashians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, like, yeah, she's popped up. I remember recently seeing uh, the the episode of Kardashians where Chris and Faye are are out and they're they go and it's like the last place that they ate with Nicole and like it happened to be like that they were doing like this like. 25 year anniversary here's the menu that we were serving like literally the last time you were here with your friend who was murdered and they're like oh shit like you know so it's like this thing that i mean in a lot of ways the oj trial that's kind of a huge anchor point for reality television as well it is like it just came up on pose i don't know if you watch that show it's a scripted show pose yeah like, yeah so I, I haven't seen the newest ones though. it's amazing so like that they were just, i mean like yes the oj thing comes up all the time it's a part of americana you know it's part of history yeah, a- absolutely. So some other guests that you've had like that I'm so jealous of are like all of these winners from Drag Race and contestants, too. And like a lot of my favorites, I listened to your interview with Alaska, who is my favorite drag queen. Really? Um, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, there's plenty of others. Like I, I like Aquaria a lot. I like, you know, Sharon Needles and, you know, Latrice Royale, of course. But like... W- what is your favorite season? I don't want you to say favorite star because, you know, you might have them on. You've already had them on. But if you could, you know, what's your favorite season of Drag Race? Because it's a phenomenon, really. It's a phenomenon. Not this past season. The season before I thought was one of the worst. Mm. It was just off to me. Like, I like the beginning seasons or like the middle, like the Bianca Del Rio seasons. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. The Trinity, the Tuck seasons. Like, they need, listen, I liked this past season. I thought Gottmik should have won. I think Gottmik is robbed of the title. Right. <laughs> uh, I just think Drag Race is like one of those shows. Okay, now fine. It was COVID and they had a lot of things. There was no revolving door with guest judges. But like, I don't know. Drag Race needs to get back on track for me. It's a little off yeah. track. Right. I also feel like like nowadays a lot of the winners or the, a lot of the the really kind of prominent queens are more trying to really do like the pop star thing and not so much like the I'm a drag queen as an entertainer thing and it's like like I get it and it all falls under the same umbrella but like I'd rather hear like a like a hokey like really campy joke than I want to see like a really good lip sync you know what I mean and I think most of them I don't know there does seem like everybody's doing music now everybody I yeah. have. I have another. A lot of it sucks. A lot of it sucks. <laughs> I'm just going to say. And it. it's not going to sell. So I have another queen coming up on my, well, I shouldn't say queen for a lot of reasons, but I have another person from Drag Race. When you see who mm. it is, you'll realize why I, of course, corrected myself because there's nothing wrong with saying queens, but someone who's yeah. coming up that has music as well that that's why they wanted to come on my show to present i mean listen i'm i'm really to your point i have all these people i'm like i'm at the point where like a lot of people get presented to me so like that's great like that's where you want to be right right of course not everybody you know there's a lot of people so it's like a mixture but you know like when someone gets presented to me i'm usually like well i mean this is literally handed to me i mean i still have to prepare do the show clean it up it's still a good like three hours of work but you're handing this person to me like i do five shows a week like why why would i say no so i have another thing coming up too and that's not an this person i'm just saying like someone was handed to me where they have music and- yeah and you know it, it starts with with rupaul i feel like a, a big i mean first of all rupaul's big fucking smash hit song is a classic like don't get me wrong but i feel like a lot of the music just comes from uh the fact that they need like copyright free music or music that they own the rights to so they can just use it because it probably costs a lot to keep using Madonna and Lady Gaga songs. So you know, it's like, well, let's cost. just record our own that we can use on this show. And then that way, but it's like, oh God, it's like, yeah, it's like Disney music. It's like Disney gay bar music. But then the girls, right, the queens just, they don't want, they want to do that. They, I really think they want yeah. to do music over drag, which is okay, yeah. but that seems to be the trend. As opposed to like, oh, I don't know if you saw Alaska's comedy special. I saw it just because I was interviewing her. Like, you know, she's truly like, we'll put some music in there, but I'm a comedy queen. So like, you got to love that. Yeah. And, you know, Trixie Mattel is kind of a rare exception because that's like an actual like musician, like playing the guitar, singing songs like they just did a song with uh, Orville Peck, you know, and, and it's like so like there's there are differences. I'm not saying it's all bad, but like the super high energy pumping techno shit that any single one of those contestants it's most could do of it. is kind of boring to me. You know, I get it. I mean, I haven't bought downloaded any of the drag queen music lately. Yeah. <laughs> 
So what one of the guests that you had on, I feel like it is is really relevant now, even though most people might not remember that. Well, in certain worlds might not be, remember them. But you had Jay Rodriguez, one of the original cast members of Queer Eye for the Straight Guy back when it was Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, not Queer Eye. And I feel like a lot original. of people, you know, because Queer Eye is so it's such a sensation. You know, it's it's so big now and it it's really kind of helping a lot of people. It's doing the same thing that Queer Eye for the Straight Guy did, but with a little bit more of a serious edge to it. And I think that the original one doesn't necessarily get the credit it deserves or even the remembrance. How do you feel about the new one versus the old one? Well, and I had on Tom Felicia. Oh, yeah. Oh, as okay, well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, listen, Queer Eye is kind of, if you ask me, like, what started Bravo, the reality, Queer Eye was like the, one of the first shows, if not the first, like, really this genre. Of I mean, like, there was Inside the Actors Studio, but to revamp. Bravo, Queer Eye is really what kind of kicked it all off. So I feel, you know, considering there's five people now that are making a gazillion dollars more than this original right. group of five. Right. You know, yeah, I I pay homage. Like we would never have this new group if we didn't have the originals. You know, and I think Jay is the one. I mean, Jay, listen, he's the first one that said it. You know, he's like, okay, Carson's rich and this one's, I mean, Jay's not like loaded. Right, so, right. Well, and that's the thing about Jay that uh, that I wanted to talk about too, because now, and I forget the name, but the guy that's like the culture guy uh, on the on the new ones, he is like one of the he's like the most important person like you know he does all this therapy with the people and like kind of every episode it's almost like torture like he builds you up and then just tears you down into tiny pieces and then rebuilds you but you have to go through this like emotional cleanse with this guy whereas Jay like as the culture guy on Queer Eye for the Straight Guy he would like take you to buy a bunch of CDs or like take you to like a dance class or something and I feel like he was kind of underutilized and that might be why he's not kind of in the lexicon now and I don't even really think they knew what to do with Jay like I'm not even so sure that they knew that he was going to be like culture. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I think it was like yeah. almost like what's the title for Jay? I think they just, I mean, isn't culture such like an all encompassing title? Like I think yeah, they just like, like everyone does that. They yeah. like backs <laughs> into it. Yeah. And I, yeah, I just remember like, you know, everyone would, you know, like Kyan would do the grooming and it would be a completely 180 transformation. Of course, Carson Kressley, genius, fucking giving, you know, like he, he's the one that when I was in high school, uh, I learned how to, you know, take a cheese grater to my jeans and stuff like that, you know, and like, like that, that show just brought together, man. like it was like a father son thing for me and my dad. And my dad was a fucking badass dude. He like worked in a fucking jail and he's so gnarly, but like he got really into face products and everything because of that. And that was like something that we, we bonded over. But then Jay was always like, oh, and then like I got you theater tickets. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, oh. I think Jay, you know, I mean, listen, I really do. Like, I understand it all. I just wish that they incorporated the originals more. And it's right. really, yeah, it's too. really like, I mean, and I'm not saying it's like ageism. And I'm not saying like, oh, big scandal, because that's just how the whole world works. I mean, but, right. you know, they wanted a younger, like new cast. Not that the original cast is even so old. No, and they're still great. I mean, Carson Kressley on Drag Race is, is amazing. He is, like, my favorite host. I mean, I've just always liked that dude. He's, he's just hilarious to me. And, you know, uh, what, Ted went on to be a big Food Network guy. I mean, a lot of them went, went on to do stuff, and then totally. a couple just, like, fell by the wayside. But also people forget that, you know, these guys had, like, careers. Like, they, got, they didn't just get, like, plucked out of a lineup to be on that show. Like, they were all established anyways. Right, like, Tom Felicia does, like, has a real business where he makes plenty of money by doing tons of like design jobs all across the world. Yeah. I mean, it's a real yeah. business. Like he's sought after and in demand as a huge top designer to redo apartments and houses. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? And he does, uh, in, in my opinion, uh, I liked his turnarounds better than, than the new guys, the new uh, decorators, but you know, I'm just a, a sucker for, for the older stuff, I guess. I like also, the originals. Like, yes. Yeah. And you know, queer eye for the straight guy, like it, it implied that there was a taboo. It implied that there was like some kind of social boundaries being torn down and it did, you know, and it created the whole term metrosexual and like all that stuff, which is now kind of just like, it's so silly. It was silly back then, but it's even sillier to think about that term now. Cause like what the hell now everyone wears, you know, or should be wearing a nicer clothes and taking care of their skin. But like the thought that like doing that was like almost gay, you know, is like a, a total goof. They've rebranded it. Yeah, a hundred percent. So out of all the guests that you've had on your show, who 
like are some of your like top like if you had to pick like the three that you like the most not even as a person but just that you feel are the most compelling episodes which would you choose mm, see so that gets so complicated because like overall <laughs> you could just guess i mean i could say and also my show gets a ton of press so like i know how to like get a right. sound bite and like that's a whole skill that's not like oh look all the press no that's purposeful like i know certain certain questions. So this one kind of hits all the buttons. One is absolutely Janice Dickinson, hands down. Oh my God. Yeah, dude. I, yeah. And dude, that's so like when I saw that, when I was going through like your episodes, I was like, Oh fuck Janice Dickinson. Cause she was on surreal life. One of the forgotten Titans of reality TV on the same season as Omarosa. And she holds a knife to her neck. Like, like it's insane. Well, see, that's the thing. Like I love when a guest could check like seven boxes. So like she is the world's first supermodel. So like we, we talk to fashion people, like there's not just reality TV. I have like some real actors and actors, but so she checks that you know, first supermodel, self-imposed box. Right, you're on The Surreal Life with Omarosa and you had major issues. You're on Celebrity Rehab with Rachel Yucatel, who was also a guest of mine, Tiger Woods' mistress. Oh, yeah. Also, let's not forget the brilliant, brilliant Janice Dickinson modeling agency, which was on Oxygen. That's a reality yes. show in and of itself. Yeah, I mean, you also sued Bill Cosby and got a ton of money. So, like, and Janice also doesn't give a fuck. She will say whatever comes out of her mouth. And she was on America's Next Top Model as the Simon Cowell judge, and she hates Tyra, or she doesn't yeah. like. So it's like, <laughs> I'm like, this literally checks 17,000 boxes. But also just Janice is an icon. And so just, like, there's someone like that where I'm like, I don't care if this gets any press. I don't care if nobody listens. This is a totally self-indulgent episode. I would pay money to talk to you. So this is right. great. It happened to get a lot of dust. So Janice is like at the top of the list. I think for housewives like Countess Luann, she's just an icon in the housewives world. And she's just also like, I know her personally. We had a touching moment at the end, like breaking the fourth wall, just like she loves me and I love her. Those are a couple. I'm trying to think, I mean, recently I did, I'm, unless someone else comes forward, I am Tawny Katane's last interview ever. You know, oh, yeah, rest girl. in peace. Yeah, she was also on Surreal Life, season six, I believe. She was, and she doesn't. She was like, "Oh God, don't those words get them out of your mouth." She had a very bad experience. <laughs> but she was also the girl on the White Snake video. She just so we just bonded, right. and like now that it's her last interview ever, like I'm just like, first of all, we totally kept in touch. We were texting. I mean, this all happened like within two weeks. So like something like that now, well, I'm going to always remember that just because like she was a wonderful, wonderful person. I'm trying to think who else really stands out for me. Those I mean, are, those are three. Goes, as far as press goes, I saw that your Melissa Rivers, uh, you know, episode got got tons because she was talking about how the you know marvelous Miss Maisel was totally based on her mom Joan Rivers, which you know it, there's a lot of truth to that. I'll I'll just say, and I don't even like that show. I checked it out. Uh, I'm gonna go Team Joan all day, no matter what. But listen, you know that, that always got some, that got some Joan, legs. always Team Joan. Yeah, and so yeah, like listen, like I mean, maybe that's just me becoming jaded and being the Gemini that I am. But Melissa was on twice, so the first time right. Melissa was on in August, yeah. I was like, I can't even believe I booked Melissa Rivers. Like, this is huge. And then this time, not that she's not wonderful, but I'm just like, okay, like, it's great. It's amazing she's coming back. Yeah. I guess that's good and bad at the same time, but I'm just getting used to certain things. But yeah, like, I loved Joan Rivers, loved. And the first time she was on, too, it went all over the world because I asked her, like, which I knew. I'm like, doesn't matter how you answer this. I said, like, what would Joan think of this? Like, what would Joan Rivers, mm -hmm. fashion police, who are you wearing? Think of wearing a mask every day in this world. Oh, please my God. tell me. Covering right. up all the work that you've paid so much for. Well, that's what <laughs> she know? said. That was her answer. It went all over the world. She's like, are you kidding me? My mother would love it. It would hide all the surgery. And I'm like, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And they, they were on um, uh, Celebrity Wife Swap. They switched with the Palin sisters, which is uh, a very special episode there. And like. <laughs> I've never cared about The Apprentice more than when Joan Rivers was on. That was like when her and Annie Duke were like in the, and like looking back, you're like, of course for optics, would anyone have won this but Joan Rivers? Like in the end, I'm not saying it was rigged because she deserved to win, right. but like I really was like, I will throw myself through this TV if Joan Rivers doesn't win The Celebrity Apprentice. Well, and you know, sometimes with those competition shows, there's always like, there's every once in a while you get a celebrity on there that is 
like a businesswoman and has like created an empire like unto themselves and like would literally in real life smoke the competition. So it's like, it's just fucking obvious. It's like, Oh, you had someone like essentially with a better career PR wise, like stability wise than the host of the show himself, you know? Well, the greatest thing too was like, I love that. Like Joan is true. I've met her many times. She is the nicest human being in the world. But I love that, like, when you got into that boardroom, she was like, I'm not I'm not the one you're going to push around. Like, Joan yeah. was hardcore, which is how you should be. She was like, I mean, I'm nice, but, like, I mean, no, I'm here to win this thing. And, like, then just the fact that, like, Melissa was on it and people were going after her dog. Like, it was just on so many levels. Like, I think that's the best Celebrity Apprentice that has ever existed. Uh, well, it's definitely better than the uh, Andrew Dice Clay uh, Tom Green season. Uh, I'll I'll say that. We yes. Uh, you, know, you, you mentioned Bobby Trendy earlier and how how you were you know get, got your sights set on him. Well, what are some other like dream guests you know that that you would really like? Because for me, like on on Culture Dumps, our dream guest that will never ever happen, but would be Ty Warner, the creator of Beanie Babies. Who is like your like archetype guest? Well, I mean, people ask me all the time and I always say like in reality or just right. like not reality. Cause I mean, I have a not reality, but if it's reality, cause like there Let's are- Let's do a living and a dead. <laughs> well, my non-reality would be like, I'd love to talk to Madonna and Cher, but that's not oh, happening. Yeah. Like we're talking, you know, if you want me to just yeah. go there. But like yeah, go there, yeah. in reality, like I have to say, it changes all the time. I have a bunch of people. I have somebody coming up who like, a couple, even Janice Dickinson, I yeah. was trying so hard for her. And the way I got her was such a roundabout way that like I tried and I couldn't make any headway. So like someone like that and then it happens and then you're like, well, of course it happened. Like I'm going to own my my show behind the velvet rope. Like, you know what I yeah. mean? But like so it's like there's been different milestones. I have somebody coming up. Which is reality TV. I mean, you you include like the docu-series in reality TV, right? Of course, yeah, yeah. Any, uh, anything real on TV. I have somebody coming up, which is, it's associated with Netflix. We don't need to get into any more detail. Let's just see if the person shows yeah. up. And, but the name is like so big and so huge that it's oh, I, like- I can't wait. Yeah, like, no, I, I like- I'll, I'll keep an eye out. I like those like, what's the word? Like the Janices. Like I like those like a little bit like off center, like you understand why they're a cultural wild card, right? Like you're a cultural phenomenon, sometimes because you're a perfect disaster of a mess, but that's okay. Yeah. So like people like that, but I'm trying to think who's like on my want really bad list. And that's the problem too. Like my mind works really fast and I've just got a bunch of people from Bravo past that I wanted for like a really long time. But I also have singers too. Like I had like Taylor Dane. That's not a good example. Right. Yeah. Tell it to my heart. Yeah. But I had people like that that are probably coming on. So I feel like it changes. All. I mean, that might be a cop out of an answer, but like ah. it changes. Like I have to say, Janice was like, and Melissa at the time were like big. I was like, I want this person so bad. Yeah. You get a little it, nervous. I mean, it, it you is get amazing. a little nervous, you know, like not nervous, but you just get a like, but then look, Melissa's been back, but you get a like, it's not even like nervous. It's just like, I need to ask Janice the right questions. Cause like, this will probably never happen again. And like, I want to do a good show. And like, I also want right. to get press. So it's like, there's three, it's like more like, I truly have this question that I have to slip in me, David, like forget about yeah. the camera. I have to ask, then it's like, I need to give people a good show. And then it's like, I need to ask certain questions where I know this could be a press hit if I ask the right thing. So it's like three things are happening during each episode. It's a lot going on. Yeah, no, it, it's fully loaded, but you're you're fucking great at it. I I, I gotta say, it's uh, that's why I was so excited when you know when, when your show re reached out to us. I was like, oh shit, like because first of all. Like culture dumps, we we talk about tons of stuff. You know what I mean? It might be like a toy that failed, or it might be like Nipplegate, or it might be fucking you know like whatever. Like it really scan. It's culture, you know. It's pop culture dumps, and like there's so many dump worthy things within the realm of reality television and just the drama and the TMZ of it all. So it was like, I mean, I I was you're the guest that I was excited about. I was like nervous. I was like, oh fuck, what am I gonna fucking ask this guy? This guy is like dwarfing me in content here. Well, I'll take that. And someone presented to me. It's not really happened yet. The designer i don't know what he's promoting but he's on the rounds the designer who designed janet jackson's nipplegate 
is on the round. So someone said, do you want to interview this guy? Oh, yeah. I, was I like, can't okay, wait for sure. that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, I, I heard that Netflix is doing a, a thing on that. That must be you know, what it Justin is. Justin got into some hot water after the Britney documentaries come out. You know, everyone started shitting on Justin and then the Nipplegate thing comes back up and it's like, what a shitty person. And like, he, you know, he totally did. And he had to apologize and all that stuff. Um well, let me ask you that. What do you think happened at Nipplegate? Was that was that planned? Was it an accident? Did she get fucked over? What's your takeaway? I mean, I just can't see like planned by who? Justin Timberlake? Yeah, <laughs> just just in general. Like, did anyone know that that was going to happen? I mean, I my gut says no. That's just me. For yeah. so many different reasons, but you know, maybe I'm just and I'm not. I'm a cynical, jaded New Yorker, so I don't see the good in most situations. Yeah, <laughs> I usually go for the scandalous. That was I just I don't see it. I just don't see it. Yeah. You know, our argument as to why like we thought that because um, according to the designer and according to her assistant who bought the nipple jewelry and she only had bought one, you know, so there, there's a little evidence there that maybe because she was only adorning one nipple that she was planning on showing it. But then also the designer said, no, there was supposed to be a, an exposure of a laced bra underneath. And no one my argument to why it was an accident is no one pulls out one boob. Like if you're gonna show your breasts, you 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 show them. You know you don't. No one pulls out one breast. It's not like a flattering thing. It's not like a cool, sexy thing. It's like a very like, oops, like it popped out. You know, it's a slip. Kind so of. That, that's that's my thing. I mean, so, I could be wrong, but it, I just don't see it. Like, yeah, those are a lot of risks and so many things that could go wrong. Yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of FCC fines too that that happened. It was a, yeah. a lot bigger of a deal than a lot, than a lot of people think. So before we we wind it down here, um, you know, in California right now we're going through a big recall, you know, of, of the governor and uh, of course star of the Kardashians, Caitlyn Jenner, is has thrown her hat into the ring. Uh, any thoughts on uh, <laughs> stars running for office? Caitlyn Jenner specifically running for office and just that whole thing. Well, I had um, Sophia Hutchins on my show, oh, Caitlyn's right. friend. Yeah. How would you describe their relationship, by the way, as someone that now is like, well, what's going on there? Is she like a, a mentor to her? Or what's well, that? that's the thing. I mean, I, I think that's why people like listening to my show five days a week. Because I, I mean, people that give feedback and if you look at comments online, everyone says it's like listening to two friends talk. That's my style. And so... I plan all my questions. Like I like the producing part of my podcast, but I just, that's the thing with Sophia, like, yes. And I get it. Like you're here to promote your son product. We're of course, like you're not here right. for your health. So we're going to, we're going to have that. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be a yeah. 10 minutes and we're going to get, but like, let's just cut through all this shit. Like what the fuck is your relation? I mean, and okay, yeah, exactly. you get there. And that's, I mean, this is how I describe my show. Like, the first 20 minutes and the last 20 minutes, the person is probably enjoying themselves. In the middle 20 minutes, they're probably just like, <laughs> fuck. Right. And so I'm always expecting someone to hang up. But my, my style is like a little Perez. It's Perez and Wendy Williams yeah, well, mixed together. Know, so I mean, brand. I asked her, you know, Sophie, and I was thrilled. She's like another one. I was thrilled to have her because like you are living with Caitlyn. Like this is as the second best thing to having Caitlyn. I mean, unless you're going to have one of the Kardashians, you know, she yeah. says they're just friends. And she said, you know, she likes men. So they're not dating. Caitlyn's not her type. She's like, I like men. I do not like women. So right there, right. you know, she says like, I, I keep my door locked at night. Like we're just <laughs> friends. <It's> terrifying. <laughs> it sounds scary when she says it like that. But I'm so... Which also, it paints such a sad picture of Caitlyn living up in Malibu in the hills with, like, nobody around. Yes. It's, it's, it's very, like, and, you know, I, I want to tread lightly here, but when when Bruce transitioned in, you know, to, to Caitlyn and they did the whole, you know, uh, Much Ado About Bruce episode of Kardashians, and the girls would talk about, you know, waking up in the middle of the night to get a glass of water and he's traipsing around the house in a dress and stuff and, like, while I understand that there's so many complicated, you know, emotions and feelings going into that, it's kind of like a scary thing. Like, and then like to move himself out so secluded into this way house, way up on the hill, where he could do all of all of her, the stuff that she wanted to do and stuff. It it kind of lends itself to a very kind of gray gardensy, like, but super posh thing. Yeah, and I believe Caitlyn. I mean, I believe Sophia. Like, there's nothing going on, and she wasn't talking bad about her. It's just, but my thing is. Like, I understand that you guys are friends, so they're just friends. And even one night on 
Instagram Live, just random. I don't know, like four months ago, totally have nothing to do with my podcast. Like they were doing an Instagram Live and Caitlin was clearly trying. I mean, it was obvious what was going on. You know, mm. Sophia had like a sale of like the product. The product's actually really good. Like it's like a nice high-end sunscreen, which I hate sunscreen. But, you know, <laughs> Caitlin didn't really understand the like Instagram Live. And, like she was trying to help Sophia sell it, which I no no shade in that. So like they're really friends like they try to help each other out but to me and i didn't ask this but to me it's more like i'm amazed with people like that like so this is your life now and i'm not saying sophia came from nothing but like how did you do this like i want that yeah. like i want to know and i'm not saying this is no shade it's like how did you move into this mansion in Malibu at the top of the hill. And listen, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. She has her own business, but I'm just, maybe you don't pay anything. And so like, how did this happen? Like, yeah. I'd like a friend like that. That's all. It's actually bad. It's actually mad respect. So I just like, I'm so intrigued by like people's situations, which are now their norm. And I'm not even saying there's anything shady going on, but like, how did you get this great setup? Like it's right. not a bad yeah, that's, setup. That's what fascinates me. Uh, it's about fascinating. That for sure. So that's why to and me, that, Sophia, like fascinates me. Yeah, no, 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 definitely. Uh, and again, know. she has that, a real company. She's really smart. Like there's no shade. It's just more like you still have this, like you're still like having a dinner with like Kim and like North and Kanye and like, what is going on here, girl? Like, yeah. now Caitlin's running for fucking governor. So like, you're going to be around that and that whole fucking world and like running as a Republican too. So it's like, I mean, California is a great state for all of these reasons. <laughs> I don't saying, mind. You know, not that I don't I mind. Vote for people, Caitlin, but I don't crazy. mind people running. And like, I don't know. I don't hate Caitlin the way people don't like her. I don't, I, there's, I don't either. I, I, I have an affinity her, for Caitlin. I just do. I don't know why. Yeah. I, I get, I get a kick out of her for sure. I mean, you know, I, but you know, I, I, I don't really lend myself to like, well, what are they really like? And what do they really think about this, that, and this? Like, I don't give a shit. Like really, you know what I mean? It's like, I'll, I'll take that to the booth. Like when I vote, you know, if I need to, like, I don't, I don't need to get into that. I can just enjoy what's happening on the screen. Well, I don't know why most people can't, but I'm the same way. You just separate it. And also, I mean, you have to feel somewhat bad for Caitlyn. Like, and the, okay, here's the other thing. I think Caitlyn is now really authentic. So like if Caitlyn's running on like whatever Republican plan or whatever it is, like Caitlyn is authentically herself. Like the stuff that she says, I have nothing against it. Like if you don't agree with it, but she really, that's what's her thing. So she believes it and she stands for that. So I like that, you know what I mean? And like yeah. to live a lie. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Caitlin will say, and then like to right. really live your authentic truth at like a certain age, you know, not that 60 is old or whatever age it was, but like, it's still later in life. Like you've got to just be like, just like Caitlin fucking live. Like, these yeah, must be the know, best and, years of her life, you know, that she's and, just and herself. It's, it's really easy, I feel like, for a younger generation who's, you know, grown up on things like Queer Eye for the Straight Guy and stuff, and now we have Drag Race on TV, and we have, you know, we, we, we know all of, uh, you know, all of these great... Uh, you know, like great iconography and, and history and all that stuff to, to know that stuff. So for the younger generation to look at someone like Caitlyn and really get down on them for not having their politics change accordingly and stuff just because they're a, a trans person, I feel like that's very unfair. And it's like, let's just give her the credit for fucking doing the damn thing on such a public, you know, stage. And that should be good enough. And it is almost stereotypical. Like you're almost like doing what you don't want someone to do. Like, you know, I'm not Caitlyn, so I can't say this, but in a way, right. I would assume Caitlyn is like, I'm a woman. Like, that should have nothing to do with my politics. Like, I'm, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you're trans, like, you are born that. So to Caitlyn, Caitlyn is a woman. So it's like, why should everything in my life change just because I'm a woman and not a man? Like, you know, and I'm right. not, I'm Absolutely. not, no, I'm no, not trans, so I'm not, but I think that makes sense. Like, how could you change your entire belief system because of one thing. Yeah. Like you're a no, man definitely. and you were born into a man's body as was I. So we, how would we ever really understand that? 
Yeah, no, no, 100%. And then very well said. So, David, we're coming to the end here. Where can we find your stuff? What, what's coming out? When is it coming out? Your socials? Hit me with all that. And so that's the thing. If I annoy people through this chat, guess what? If you listen to my podcast five days a week, you won't even hear me talk because it's just me interviewing people. <laughs> you won't have to listen to any of my opinions or thoughts because I really don't have any on my own podcast. It's really just me backing you into a corner and when you get there, you're going to answer all my questions and I'm going to get the tea for everyone. So yeah, the name of the podcast is Behind the Velvet Rope. It is literally five days a week. There is literally a different interview every day, mostly reality TV stars, but it's similar to your show. And like, it, you know, I don't know if yeah, you it have. Spans. It spans. Yeah, it's like sure. pop culture. Like if the person that came up with Beanie Babies wanted to come on, I probably would talk to them. It's not just, you know, it's models and fashion designers like we had Isaac Mizrahi and it's pop culture. Um, and it's Behind the Velvet Rope. And on Instagram, it's at Behind Velvet Rope. There's no the. So at Behind Velvet Rope. Those are the two best places to find me. Instagram is really me. I People are shocked when I respond to them. I'm like, I guess that's flattering. Like, thank you. But <laughs> I listen, if you reach out and you listen to Behind the Velvet Rope podcast and you're DMing me to tell me how great it is, I have, I think I could take a minute to respond. It might take yeah, me a week. Say thanks or something. It's like, thank you for listening. So it's like, I don't know. People like the interviews. People like the interviews. And we're getting, as we grow, we're getting some big names. So it's real. And we're not slowing down anytime soon. I, To be honest with you, I'm not even trying. This is not a humble brag. This is more like it keeps me up at night that we actually have too many people that want to come on. I know those are good problems to have, but it's more like I have a bunch of people being like, when is my episode coming out? And I'm just like, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah give it a second. Well, you yeah. know what, too? Because like with all of these people that we just mentioned, like I... I give advice to anyone that does an interview-based podcast, like, don't wait. Like, if Janice Dickinson wants to record tomorrow, and so does, you know, Melissa Rivers, you do both the next day, because I, I don't believe it. I don't believe that, like, let's do it in five weeks, that timing works better. It's never going to happen. Like, the world changes for these people within, like, two weeks. So I just, when someone says yes, I'm just like, I'll figure out when your show is coming out and what's outdated and how to make it relevant. We'll figure that out after you're actually on the loop and I have your file saved, I will deal with how to put this out in a relevant manner. And it all works out, but it's just a lot of work. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on Culture Dumps, David. We'll be sure to get this sent over you when it's all done. I can't and, wait. Uh, yeah, I can't, we'll, we'll keep in touch, huh? Tag me and everything and I'll repost. This was fun. Oh, absolutely. All right, man. Thank you. We'll see you. Bye. Bye-bye. Knowledge that guy is. Love talking to that dude. Lots of uh, lots of fun little tidbits there. Lots of real housewife stuff going on in this episode. But we felt that this is totally worthy of being a, a regular episode of Culture Dumps just because of how influential that whole world is in pop culture, the whole reality TV kind of uh, universe there. So, yeah, thank you again, David, for being on the show. If you would like exclusive Culture Dumps and Podcast 99 materials such as research links and bonus episodes, set commentaries, all that stuff. Make sure you subscribe to patreon.com slash culture dumps. Check us out on Instagram at culture dumps. And if you have a suggestion for a topic on the show, email it on over to culture dumps at gmail.com. I'm Ryan Lichten. Thank you for listening.